Hello, everybody. Welcome to or welcome back. This is Aging Ungracefully. My name is Afra, and you know, it's it's funny because I feel like there was a lot of feelings in last week's episode. A lot of feelings, and I'm not mad about it. I feel like that was a little bit of the therapy that I needed and some of the thoughts I needed to get out and some of the things I needed to let go of and let go of. Weird pause. Um, and just kind of like get off my chest. Thank you all for being my therapy. I apologize for emotionally dumping. Um, I hope that y'all took away something from that and were able to maybe resonate or feel into your own story or recognize kind of where you're at. And I know for me, I wasn't lying when I said that I really needed to work on shifting my mindset and things don't happen overnight. And it's actually something I've been working on for months. Um, but I feel like it's finally seething and I feel like I'm finally becoming more mindful of my mind and more mindful of like where I'm at, when I'm there, how I'm feeling. And it's been so good for me, especially because I'm still dealing with like nerve stuff. I've got some funky breast stuff going on, um, which is not new for me. I've, I've had breast stuff going on since I was like 16. So there's just like a lot of, a lot of things. And I just am like really trying to seed into just having the best mindset I can and letting go of the things I cannot control. And my mantra lately has been, we know when we know, and until we know we let go. And I know y'all might be listening to this and be like, mantra, what? Uh, <laughs> that was cheesy AF. Um, but I swear to God, mantras are amazing. And I was listening to a podcast. I've been listening to a podcast lately. That's been amazing. If you haven't heard of it, it's called On Purpose and it's with Jay Shetty. And he talks a lot about mindset and being purposeful and having purpose. And, and I've always kind of cringed when people are like, what's your purpose? And I'm like, to be alive uh, and to be joyful and that's it. And like, I don't feel like there's a, a purpose per se, but then I'm recognizing now that might have been a little bit of a dismissive thing to say because I just didn't want to feel like I had a purpose um, or because I'm not sure what that means for me. <laughs> I don't think my purpose is my job. I don't think my purpose is my family. I think my purpose in this lifetime is to learn and love and express joy and, you know, change people's lives through talking about the things that we don't normally talk about. And I think that my purpose is just to help others. And it always has been. And um, in helping others, also helping myself and by helping myself, learning how to help others. So it's, it's this thing that I've kind of always struggled with is to understand like my purpose. And I feel like listening to this podcast, reflecting, writing, reading, changing my habits, um, the habits that I actually had pre being in a relationship, um, and changing some of the habits back to some of the things I had pre, and then actually also changing some of the things I learned during the relationship. And then also some of the things I've developed after the relationship and being more mindful and sleeping better and timed bedtimes and no electronics after a certain time and, you know, reading more and writing more and, and really focusing on, that portion of of healing and my life has been really 
beneficial for me. And I've been, like I said, I've been working at this for months, but I would say in the last like week, it's been just, I feel the strongest in it. I feel the most stable in it. Um, but anyway, my brain is rambling off. I was listening to, uh, the podcast on purpose with Jay Shetty and something that he had mentioned in the podcast was how conscious of you are you of the thoughts you think in a day? And you should really be more conscious of, of all of the thoughts that you have in a day. And he had spoken to having a mentor who used to always say to him, um, you know, your thoughts become who you are and your thoughts will dictate who you become and your thoughts will like dictate your reality. So what are you thinking? And helping him to try and train to be more purposeful, more mindful. And, um, and then he said his, his mentor would randomly call him up or randomly stop him and be like, Hey, uh, what are you thinking right now? And if he said nothing or if he went, Oh, I'm just, I'm thinking about nothing. I I have nothing on my mind. His mentor would go, so you want to become nothing. So you don't want anything. And I thought that was really interesting. And then he said after a while, his mentor would call him up and he'd be like, what are you thinking? And his mindset had changed so significantly about, you know, how he was thinking and what he was thinking about and that he needed those reminders. He needed that active like input of like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And I was like listening to this podcast and it like hit me that a lot of my anxiety comes from the fact that I feel like I can't control what I'm thinking. Like I feel like my thoughts just spiral. And this is due to so many things. Um, but my my psychologist and some of my counselors over the years have said that this is part of OCD. This is part of PTSD. Um, and this is anxiety that comes out of those things and, and depression that comes out of those things and, you know, the trauma you've incurred. So it's it, it's like, you know, probably something you're going to be with for life. And I think that that's kind of a fallacy. I don't think that we're necessarily stuck with things for life. I think we can choose certain things. There's certain things we can't choose, but there's also things that we can. And I refuse to believe that I am stuck in the spiral of being afraid that other shoes always going to drop. And I refuse to believe that I can't have some control over my thoughts. And so I've been actively practicing recently being more mindful. And when my thoughts start to run down a path, I'm pausing and I'm like asking myself, is this thought helpful? Is this thought true? Is this thought serving me? And if all of those three answers are no, then I'm like, what can I replace this thought with that's true, that's serving me, and that's helpful? And those have been mantras or those have been self-compliments. It is really fucking hard to compliment yourself when you feel like your self-esteem's in the toilet, by the way. Like just, just, I don't know why I got an accent there, but <laughs> it, it can be really tough to compliment yourself when you're not feeling really great about yourself. So it's, it's teaching me to be more loving to myself and show myself more loving kindness. And it's also teaching me to um, <laughs> love myself a lot more and have more self-confidence. And it's been a very interesting experiment to just track the amount of times a day my anxious thoughts run down a fucking path. Holy shit. It is like my brain is just 
firing anxiety and I just never recognized it. And now that I'm suddenly very much aware of like what I'm thinking and paying a lot of attention to what I'm thinking, I'm becoming very, very consciously aware that there is so much that I've thought about that has not been true. And there's been so much that I think about that is not serving me. And in a daytime, like in the day, like one day I was tracking my thoughts and I had over a hundred thoughts of anxious things. Like I had over a hundred thoughts of like, I'm going to die. Like this is something that comes up with me whenever I have health concerns or like, especially um, the breast stuff that I've been dealing with since I was 16. And it's always like, I'm going to die. This is the worst thing that's ever going to happen. I'm not well. I'm, And then that thought perpetuates and I can actually feel my anxiety rise. And as I've learned um, over the years, and especially in the last two years, is that when you're anxious, you can show phantom symptoms in your body of that trauma and that anxiety. So, you know, I tend to get nerve pain when I'm really anxious and I've been tested for things. I've been had so many tests and it's actually just an anxiety symptom. And it's really wild to me that our minds are that powerful. And (laughs) as I said to my friend Randell today, like we were texting and you know, I told her, I'm like, I'm really trying to focus on not letting my anxiety like run me rampant and trying to be more mindful. And then she said to me, yes, it's so crazy that the mind is such a powerful thing. And I was like, yeah, and it's fucking bullshit. (laughs) It's bullshit. I, I'm like, I wish I'm, I'm grateful that I have a powerful mind. I'm grateful that I have intelligence. I'm grateful for my brain, but shit, man. Like sometimes I wish that I could just jellyfish. Like I, I said to her, I was like, I just, I just want to be a jellyfish some days. I just want to vibe, you know, I don't want to be constantly anxious. I don't want to be in my head all the time. I don't want to be like running down these thoughts. And then I recognized in that conversation, um, like that realistically, I can be a jellyfish when I want to be. I just have to choose. Actually, my exact words were just floating around, chilling, no brain, just vibe. Um, And that's what I feel like jellyfish life would be. And maybe I should put that. I told her, I was like, I need to put that on a shirt. So maybe that's my first merch for the podcast is putting on a shirt, no brain, just vibe and pictures of jellyfish. But I am really feeling like it's been so important to be very mindful of my thoughts and mindful of my anxiety. And so I started thinking about what was young Afra like? What was young me thinking? You know, where was I at in my teens and early 20s? And I know I've talked about it in the past, but like young Afra was fucking fearless. Like she was not afraid of dick. Like I was not afraid to be loud and cumbersome and I was not afraid to piss people off and I was not afraid to be myself and I was not afraid to be just me. And I feel like I started dimming my light for other people in my 20s because I was so afraid that being me was going to push people away or piss people off or, you know, I just had enough really shitty comments said to me by, by a certain point that I was like, I have to turn these parts of myself off. And I'm so sad for young me for doing that. And so any of my younger listeners, if you are somebody who's like in your 20s, even late teens, early 20s, and you're going to school or you're living your life and people make comments to you like, oh, you know, 
they either talking about other people and being like, oh, I don't like how loud she is or blah, blah, blah. Or they're talking to you and being like, oh, do you always need to do that? Like if anybody ever says that to you, I just want you to politely tell them to fuck right off. Um, Take a minute, step back and acknowledge that nobody gets to tell you who you get to be and nobody should tell you who you should be. And if somebody's in your life and they're constantly telling you, who you should be and what you should like and and how you should interact with the world, then it's a really good opportunity for you instead of questioning yourself and questioning if you should be that person, questioning if this person is right for you. And like that's a broad sweeping statement, obviously, because I think there are absolutely instances where we should maybe do some self-reflection. Like if somebody is telling you like, yo, man, you're constantly a fucking asshole and you say these really nasty things and they make me super uncomfortable – Maybe do some self-reflection. Maybe take a moment. Maybe you're the asshole. Like, you know, those those kinds of instances are a good opportunity for self-reflection. But I think the 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 non-broad sweeping statement of what I would like to say is that don't let people dim your light for you. The world, cancel culture, the news, the current state of affairs, that's gonna dim your light more than enough. Um, that's going to be hard enough to to combat. That's going to be enough pressure on you as it is. You do not need to add to the pressure on yourself. And I think for myself, something that I'm resonating with and something that I have acknowledged for myself recently is that I have been like turning down my inner self for a minute. Um, you know, I've talked a little bit about Vancouver. Well, I've talked a lot about Vancouver. I talk a lot about my past. I've talked a lot about myself. So like, let's just get real. But something that I recognized was that there was groups of people that I could be unabashedly myself with. There were people that in my life turned up the dial of me just having a space to feel safe and be me. And then there were people who crushed that, like the hand of God, and told me what I should be and who I should be and how I should be digestible and and what I needed to be. And I think somewhere along the line, I just buried me. I buried the parts of me that made other people uncomfortable. I buried parts of me that made other people um awkward. I buried parts of me that made me feel awkward. I became really afraid to be loud um, and to be seen and to be heard. And I became afraid to be outside of the box. And I think that there was just many incidences where that happened. And I was speaking to a friend recently. My Actually, I was speaking to my mom and then I had a very similar conversation with a friend and then I had a very similar conversation with like a friend's mom. So something that we had talked about was that as you get older – it kind of naturally happens that you lose bits and pieces of yourself because that's life and some of those things are meant to fall away and some of those things are meant to grow. Um, And sometimes the things that fall away are the things that maybe we should have, you know, watered instead of the things that we let kind of die off. And so the beautiful thing about (laughs) die off, any sort of, if if you're a nature freak, any sort of die off when forests burn, there's always something beautiful that can be born out of it. And I think that that's this huge turning point that I'm recognizing in my 30s. And I've spoken to 
so many, I'm going to say women, because I haven't spoken to many men about this, but I've spoken to so many women who've also reflected that they're hitting like their mid thirties and they're suddenly looking up and being like, holy shit, (laughs) holy shit. I am suddenly not into the same things I was. I'm suddenly not into the same friend groups I was. I'm suddenly recognizing that I don't give a fuck. And it's just so liberating. And I just think that's really fucking cool. And I think that we're meant to go through these things in our 20s and then start to like taper down at the end of our 20s and into our early 30s and start to really recognize and seed into either having families or having a career or, you know, exploring the world or doing whatever that feels good for us at the time. And we, you know, are kind of, I don't want to say slowing down, but we're, we're nesting more in our thirties, figuring out who we want to be, what we want to do. And that's not the same for everybody, obviously, again, broad sweeping statement, but I think that what I'm recognizing about my thirties now is that (laughs) it's a really great opportunity for me to dig up. uh, This sounds like I've been watching a lot of the Dauber series, so this might sound darker than it meant is meant to. <laughs> but I, uh, I'm you know, I'm digging up sixteen year old Afra and the part of her that just gave no fucks, the part of her that was not afraid to dance and be loud and sing along to loud songs and and rock the fuck out. Like I loved to go to a concert. Your girl, your girl loved a sweaty concert back in the day, and so like recognizing that. I can bring her back and I don't need to be afraid of her because something that I've really learned also through therapy is that we kind of have a tendency to to shove our inner children into corners. And a huge part of healing is is taking out your inner child, helping them out of, you know, the depth, taking them out of the this, you know, dark bedroom, dark child's room, dark closet that you shoved them in as a child. And helping them heal by reparenting them. And I also heard the other day that we go through these stages of healing that, you know, you're you're parenting your inner child. And once you've kind of moved through a bunch of shit with your inner child is that's when you kind of get to see your inner teenager. And your inner teenager is a really good opportunity for you to reflect on the things that you lost and the things that you had to change about yourself and the way in which you face the world. Like, how you felt at the time and now it becomes reparenting your inner teenager or letting your inner teenager loose. And I recognize that I haven't completely obviously healed everything from my childhood, but I have really truly worked with my inner child for seven years of therapy. And now my inner teenager is coming out and she's like, bitch, what the fuck? If you would have told me we would have been this anxious and this uncool, I would have taken a completely different route. Like she, I feel like my inner teenager would be so disappointed in how much I toned myself back for other people's consumption. I also think she'd be majorly proud of me for having a job. (laughs) I think she'd look at me and be like, yo, girl, you never finished college or university. You finished makeup school and hair school and that was it. And, you know, good for you for having a job. Cause I remember 16 year old me being like, I don't know what I want to do with the future. Um, so I think that she would look at me and be like, yeah, I'm really disappointed in you for not still being a badass. I'm really disappointed in you for not being loud. I'm really disappointed in you for giving up on acting dreams and singing dreams and, 
you know, giving up on going to concerts and having fun and being crazy. I'm kind of a little bit annoyed with you for doing that shit. And I also think she'd look at me and be like, but I'm super fucking proud of you for taking care of little us. Cause like little us was like not thriving and, and little us needed some help. And like, I think she'd be really proud of me for, you know, getting, like I said, getting a job. I think she'd be proud of me for like really realizing who I am in so many ways. But I also feel like she'd be a little bit disappointed in an adult me and would really truly want to see adult me enjoy things more than I have. And I think we can all, not all of us, but most of us can say that COVID years were tough. They're really tough. And I kind of said to a friend recently, like, I really want to start uh, really want to start processing the pandemic and how that affected my brain and my nervous system and my health because it did. And I really want to process that so that I can start to feel better in it, but also like recognizing that we're not 100% out of it yet. So there's some things there that might need some more time before I can really figure them out for myself. But that ultimately, I really want to step back into being who 16-year-old wanted me to be, who 16-year-old me wanted me to be. And 16-year-old me wanted me to have fun no matter what. You know, 16-year-old me was <laughs> I mean, she drank a lot, but she was she was a blast. She loved her friends. She was unbelievably loyal. She was willing to take on the world. She was afraid of nothing. She could get on stage and and sing and laugh and act and she was just unrelenting in the want and striving, unrelenting in the confidence and striving to just have fun in everything she did. And then, you know, I feel like my, everything that happened in Vancouver and I know I've touched on it on past episodes and and just kind of what I went through before I moved back kind of kicked the shit out of me because I went from being this really confident person who you know, had some stuff go on. But like, I went from being this really confident person to going through this really fucking traumatic event and losing that confidence and losing that luster and losing that anxiety, like losing those, that control of, of like self, the control of knowing who I was at the time. And then I spent like the first few years back in Alberta, like really in fight or flight mode. And really, you know, worked on it to get healthy, to feel better, to be better, to be in a better place. And then, um, you know, had a a really powerful, life-changing experience with somebody where I got my heart broken. I broke my own fucking heart, to be honest with you. But like, you know, where I, I got my heart broken and I had to spend years getting over that heartbreak. And I'm, I'm still processing. I said it last week, I'm still processing that relationship and it's been years. And so like recognizing, um, just like who I am and where I want to go and recognizing that all of these things that have happened in my life, I've survived. I've survived sometimes by the skin of my fucking teeth, but I've survived. And it's just a really great opportunity now to jump off and to to ex- get excited about what's next. And so like I want to put a question out to everybody listening. What would inner teenager you want for you? And if you're still a teenager, what do you want to 
feel and be when you're in your 30s? What do you want to feel and be when you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s? Start thinking about that. It's really tough to think about the future in this climate <laughs> um, of the world, where the world's at right now. So it's, it's I think, really important for us to also think about what we want to feel in the future. Um, even if the future is just tomorrow, even if the future is just a week from now, what do I want to feel a week from now? And something that's really stuck out for me and something that's been really important for me has been what I want to feel tomorrow rather than just what do I want to feel right now? What do I feel right now? And I think that's really important. There has been a book that I highly recommend to everybody recently because it's been so instrumental in helping me just understand myself and understand where I'm at and understand what I need. And my friend Meg had posted about it and I ended up downloading it immediately and I'm so glad that I did. And it's called How to Do the Work and it's by Nicole, Dr. Nicole LaPera and it is a fantastic book. I highly, highly recommend. Um, and it just, it really like seeded into, you know, inner you and your inner child and, and recognizing that it's not all your fault and that there's so many aspects of things that have to get better and, and how the work you have to do on yourself. And it's, it's just a really good book. <laughs> it's just a really good book, but it's really, it really helped me think about mindset and like, how do I have to shift my mindset and what can I do to shift my mindset and, um, becoming the person I want to be instead of the person I've been. And I think throughout most of my twenties, I felt very frozen because there was these huge, huge, really scary, really traumatizing events that happened for me. And then I just got stuck in a loop for a really long time. And now I'm at this place in my life where I get to kind of be whoever I want to be and rewrite that story. And it's exciting, but it's also terrifying at the same time. And I really don't want to look up five years from now and be like, I've done nothing for myself. You know, and I don't mean like, oh, get like buy this fancy house or buy, drive this fancy car because that shit's never fucking mattered to me. Material has very, very rarely ever mattered to me in life. But what does matter to me is I want to look up five years from now and be like, yeah, I got back on the stage and I went back to acting. And yeah, I, you know, finally sang in front of people again without wanting to vomit and throw up at the same time. And yeah, I like really want to I really like it's a secret dream of mine um and y'all will know it first but I really want to fucking drive a race car really fast. I'm fucking terrified of cars. I am terrified of car accidents. I used to dream of being in a car accident all the time as a kid and so driving really fast and driving unsafely scares the shit out of me and I really want to do it. <laughs> I really want to do it in a controlled environment. But like there's just things that I want to experience and do. Like I have no interest in jumping out of a plane that just doesn't seem for me. But there's so many like things that seem so small but would be so important for me to do and I think that it's time to like nurture 16-year-old Afra because god knows the last 7 years of therapy I have been like it's okay 3-year-old Afra. It's okay 5-year-old Afra. It's okay 8-year-old Afra. Like I'm so sorry that you know this let you down or this person hurt hurt you or that you went through this. And now I'm like, Kate, hey, teenage Afra's healing. 
she wants me to like stop being a little bitch. <laughs> like I feel like 16 year old me would kick my ass. Like I'm just like, she would probably fuck some shit up. Um, but yeah, that's something else I wanted to say is that I would love for my, my more mature audience to think about like, what would 16 year old say you think of you now? And what would teenage you think of you now? And I really would love to hear from some of you guys on the Instagram, um, aging.ungracefully.podcast. Uh, and then there's also the email, which is aging.ungracefully.podcast at Gmail. But I really want to hear, like, what would teenage you say to you? And if you're a teenager now, what do you want to be in 30 years? So maybe not 30 years. Where do you want to be in like 15 plus years? You know, what do you want to be? Who do you want to be? What do you want to do? And what's holding you back? You know, what is truly holding you back? And I think a lot of the time for myself, it's always been, oh, like finances, finances, finances. But it's like, I have my whole life to make more money. I don't have my, like, I don't know what my whole life is going to look like if I don't live it. And I think that that's so important to like really think about is that, is so important to live your life while you have the life to live because life can change at any moment. And we think we learned that in the pandemic. I have definitely felt that with my health over the last year, two years, is that like sometimes I feel completely incapacitated by it. And I'm just like, I wish I would have done this, this, and this before I started experiencing this. Or I wish I would have tried this before this happened to me. And now I'm like recognizing this. It's like, well, I can still do those things. Like I can walk and I can talk and I can breathe and I can move. And there's things that I have the opportunity to do. And this isn't, nothing is a life sentence. Um, and I know that sounds weird because it's like, well, there's tons of things that are life sentences, but truly if there's a will, there is a way and it might not look conventionally the same, but if there's a will, there is a way. So yeah, that, that was a lot of ramble shambles at you guys for the last half an hour. But I just want to say thank you guys for listening and truly, truly would love to hear from you guys. And thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for being here. I so love doing this. This is this is something that 16-year-old Afro would have been like, bitch, you fucking cool as shit. Like 16-year-old me would have been like, girl, you did a thing where you talked about stuff? That's so rad. I mean, we didn't have podcasts when I was 16. Um, we had audiobooks <laughs> and they were on cassette tapes. Uh, and that was well, and CDs, but like that wasn't, that was kind of it. There wasn't much out there for this kind of stuff. And so realistically, I think, you know, 16 year old me would have been like, girl, you are talking about your feelings and going to therapy and you're talking about the shit that happened to you as a kid. And you're talking about the shit that's going to happen to you. And that's really fucking cool. And I just like feel like 16 year old me would be really proud of me for doing this because 20 year old me is proud of me for doing this. 25 year old me is proud of me for doing this. The 20 four-year-old me, <laughs> roughly older, I don't remember, um, who went to ther started therapy and like started healing and started working on herself. She would be really fucking proud of me for doing this. There's so many layers to the person that I've become in my 30s and there's been so many chapters that I've had to close to get me to this next one. And I feel like I'm at this, I feel like I've said this recently, but I feel like I'm at this precipice. Like I feel like I'm at this jump off point and I feel like 
a chapter is closing. And as that chapter closes, I sometimes feel myself and my brain grasping at old lines and old photos and old chapters to try and hold on to this first part of the story. And it's like, it's not worth it because this whole next part is coming and it's opening up and it's flourishing and I get to decide how to write it. And, uh, and that's really fucking cool. So with that, my friends, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Um, I hope you had, if you're Canadian, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. I hope it was full of potatoes, mostly potatoes, uh, fuck other Thanksgiving foods. It's just potatoes. Um, and I truly, truly hope that in all things that life brings you, that you are feeling loved, that you're feeling cared for, that you know you are not alone, that you know that all of us are on a journey together, even when it doesn't feel like it. And once again, thank you for either coming back or listening for the first time. And we will talk to you guys next week.